0: Look in John 19, verse 30. Somebody might be prone to say, well, the greatest word Jesus ever uttered was love. Well, he did talk about love. And that's a powerful word. Some may say that the greatest word Jesus uttered was the word Father. Father. You know what a powerful word in reference that is to the Father and the distinct relationship that Jesus had with the Father. I'd suggest to you this morning that the most powerful word, the one word, the most powerful one that Jesus ever uttered is this statement where he said, To tell us die. It is finished. Never before, as one writer said, and never after was ever spoken one word which contains or means so much. He said, and I quote, It is the shout of the mighty victor. Who of us can measure the depth of this one word? I want us to notice, first of all, today, what I call the declaration itself. The declaration. It is finished what was jesus talking about what was he referring to what 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 that that he said with the loud voice that declaration that he made john calvin said the statement shows that the whole accomplishment of our salvation and all the parts of it are contained in his death the meaning therefore he said is that everything which contributes to the salvation of men is to be found in Christ. It ought not to be sought anywhere else and that the perfection of salvation is contained in Jesus. Adam Clark said that through this tragic death, God is reconciled to man and the kingdom of heaven is open to every believing soul. That's what it means. Now I want you to listen carefully the next few moments. There were several ways... That this word to was used in the Greco-Roman culture. All of them serving as a beautiful word picture of Jesus' finished work on the cross. I want you to hear me now. At times in the ancient world, this was a word that was used by artists. They would say, to when an artist would finish a painting or a sculpture. They would stand back at a distance and they had just put the last finishing touches to this vivid landscape or to this marble piece that they had been working on. And they would stand back at a distance just a few feet and they, were, they would admire the masterpiece they would look for any blemish or any flaw that needed to be repaired, and they would stand back and seeing nothing that called for correction or improvement, they would say to themselves out loud, "To tell It is finished." meaning that nothing else had to be done to the work of art in order for it to be complete or perfect. The death of Jesus on the cross, if I could say it this way, finished the picture of redemption. (laughs) A masterpiece which had been in the Father's heart from the foundation of the world. So when we think about this statement, to telestai, it means that the master plan of redemption has been complete. It was also used not only by artists, it was also a word, a statement that was used by servants. A servant would be given a task or an assignment by his master, by his boss, his his employer. He would be given a directive. I want you to do this. This is your job. I want you to take care of this. And when the assignment was complete, the servant would go and report back to the master and say to Telestai, Master, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus is called the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah. And Jesus on the cross completed the work that the Father had given him to do. And So when Jesus cried out to Telestai, he was simply saying that the work that the Father sent me to do is complete now. It was a word used by artists. It was a word used by servants. But it was a word also used by the high priests. It was their job to look for that spotless, perfect lamb. That lamb that they would use to make a sacrifice. And when he would recognize an unblemished, acceptable sacrifice for God the priest would announce to the person offering the sacrifice that the offering was acceptable according to the law. And he would say, in pointing to that lamb, to tell us die. Well, I want you to know this morning that our great high priest, Jesus the Lord, not only mediates for his people as a priest, but he himself was and is the perfect sacrifice for sin. Remember John the Baptist said when Jesus came over the hill to be baptized and John the Baptist pointed out and said, Behold, what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, Jesus Christ was the Lamb without blemish and without spot. The whole reason Jesus came to earth was to give his life in our place in order to pay the full penalty for our sin and rebellion and defiance toward God and God's standards. And by Jesus' death and his shed blood, the bridge that was so vast was spanned between sinful humanity and a holy God and the sacrifice of the Lamb of God was Tetelestai. <laughs> it was enough and it was sufficient to cover our sins and to cleanse our lives. It was a word used by artists. It was a word used by servants. It was a word used by the high priest, but it was a word also used by merchants. In ancient times in the Greco-Roman world when a promissory note was paid, the one holding the note would write to Tetelestai across paper when someone had a debt and it was paid off the creditor would write to telestai on the certificate of debt signifying and some of you're getting ahead of me already that the debt had been what paid in full when christ jesus gave himself on the cross he fulfilled all the righteous demands of the law of god in our sin debt, listen, that you and I could never pay. If we lived a thousand lifetimes, we could never pay it. But Jesus Christ, that's the infinite sacrifice when He died on the cross and shed His royal red life's blood. And He cried out to tell us, Die. He was saying that our debt, our debt to God the Father, Our debt to a holy God, our debt to a righteous, infinite, perfect judge was paid in full. In the Old Testament, when the sacrifices were made, they covered sin. But listen, they never really took sin away. But Jesus accomplished in his death what all of the Old Testament and Old Covenant sacrifices could not. In eternity, the Son of God gave to the Father a promissory note that he would pay the price for humanity's redemption. And on Calvary, that note and that debt was paid in full. And Jesus said, to Telesti. One writer said that if Christ had not paid the full penalty, there would still be condemnation left for us. He did pay the full penalty that is due to us. And now, therefore, all of us who are in Christ can say beyond the shadow of any doubt, Romans 8 verse 1, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It means that my debt is fully paid And then, it was a word used by soldiers. When the soldier had come to the end of battle, and it was obvious that his forces had won, the winning soldier and the victorious soldier would look across at the opposing army and the enemy on the other side, and they would cut their hands and they would cry out, to telesta. To tell us die, And that means that was a battle cry toward a vanquished foe. And the soldier would be saying, Not I am finished. Here we go, but you are finished. The enemy is finished. Jesus' cry on the cross was not a cry of despair. It was not a cry of defeat, it was not a cry of discouragement, it was a cry of victory. And when Jesus called out with a loud voice to Telestai, it was declaring victory over the enemy, victory over Satan, victory over sin, victory over death, it was finished and that means that the war is over. It was used by servants, it was used by artists, it was used by high priests, it was used by merchants. It was used by soldiers. But there's a last reference in the way it was used in that world. That statement was used by prisoners. You see, when a Roman citizen was convicted of a crime, he was thrown into prison. And a certificate of debt listing all of his crimes was nailed to his cell door so that any body passing by could know what he had been accused of and what he was guilty of and what the punishment was. And when the day came that the prisoner had served, every single year, month, week, day, hour, and minute, and second. And the day came when he was released from bondage. That certificate of debt and that indictment was taken down from the door. And the very judge that had written and ordered it and signed it was then approached and would take that certificate and that same judge who had put the man in prison would sign the indictment and would write across the top to Telestai. They would then take that certificate and they wouldn't destroy it and they wouldn't just file it away. But they would put it in the hands of that freed prisoner. They would actually give him the document. So that if he were ever questioned again about his guilt, about his penalty for his crimes if they ever had any doubt as to whether or not justice had been served the former prisoner could just reach in his pouch and could pull out that document and he could point to the indictment across which the judge had written to Telestai and he could go on his merry way And rest and safety and security. Because Telestai guaranteed his deliverance and his liberty. And the charges for those crimes could never again be brought up against him. I want you to understand this morning that as you see Christian Powell. You're looking at a guilty man. A man who has violated the laws of God. A man who stands condemned. A man who God had every single right to throw the book at him. But because Jesus Christ, the great substitute, has taken our place, he, as it were, paid our sentence for us. He, as it were, sat in our jail cell. And for those hours hanging on the cross, and you know this, it was as though Jesus was suffering the eternal hell and the eternal condemnation for every single one of us. He was suffering and enduring the verdict of all of our sins when He died for us on the cross and He came to the end. And only an infinite God can pay an infinite debt. And yet when that infinite debt was satisfied, Jesus Christ cried with a loud voice to tell us die. And those of you who are in Christ Jesus this morning, those of us that are saved, we have the eternal record that wherever we go, if we're ever condemned, if our conscience ever condemns us, if the devil ever condemns us, We have that record that across the top, it says for all eternity to Telestai, the debt has been paid and we as prisoners have been set free. Glory to the name of Jesus. I'm talking about that's what he did for you. Glory to God. You're like, I thought it was just a statement. Oh, it's more than a statement. Some of you needed to hear that today. Some of us, we get beat up all the time over sins of the past. Don't you ever forget that Satan is the accuser. He accuses you to yourself. He accuses you to God. He accuses God to you. And he accuses you to other people and other people to you. Some of you can't live in victory or you don't live in victory because you have chosen to focus on what you have done in the past. And I want to say this to you today. If you are forgiven in Christ Jesus and his blood has washed away your sins, you do not live in condemnation. Stop allowing the enemy to rob you of what Jesus has already given you. Live in the freedom. Live in that victory. Live in the fact that you as a former prisoner, now thank God you get to walk around free. Because somebody took your place. So preacher, that's the declaration. But what's the ramification of this? Now I'm going to get... Time out. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to get technical for about two minutes. I want you to listen. I want you to hang with me on the technicality. I'm going to get hung up on the technicality here. But it's for a reason. You see, the Greek language is constructed differently than English, obviously. And they have different tenses that we don't have in English. If you understand the language, it is a very picturesque language. That's why when you hear preachers preach and they actually expound the word and tell you what a word means, they will use often picturesque language and imagery. And that's why sometimes when we read our Bible, we miss out just a bit on the full meaning of what's being said because we really, it's just hard for us in our English language to understand exactly all the nuances of even one particular word. But Jesus says this when he says it. He spoke it in what in the Greek language is called the perfect tense. Which is very rare in the New Testament and it has no English equivalent. The perfect tense is a combination of two Greek tenses. It's a combination of the present tense and what's called the aorist tense the aorist tense is punctiliar meaning something that happened at a boom specific point in time a moment an instant it is finished and yet it's not just the aorist it's the present tense Which means that something, it did happen, but it continues on in the future and has ongoing results and implications. That means that something that happened back here is still in effect, ongoing in the future. So when you put the aorist and the present together, you have the perfect tense. So the combination of these two tenses in the perfect tense as used in John 19.30 is an overwhelming significance for the Christian. Because when Jesus said, boom, it is finished, it is complete, what he actually is saying is that it is finished now, yes, but it will continue to be finished (laughs) throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. In other words, there will never be a point in time in eternity when it won't be finished. Jesus, he changed eternity. He impacted eternity. We've seen the declaration. We see the ramification. And then let's close with the implication. You say, preacher, I've seen what it means, but good night. What does it mean to me? I mean, you've carried us up here, but we live down here. So what does it mean today for my life? This day, this Sunday in 2018, what can I go home with? Well, I want to say two things to you, then we're going to pray. Now don't leave me before you leave me, okay? Number one, it means that you can rest in his finished work. It's interesting to me. Buddha's last dying words, you know what they were? The Buddha. You know what his last dying words were? Strive without ceasing. Strive without ceasing. All of your days, all of your life, You keep striving without ceasing. Wait a minute. You keep striving to gain perfection. You keep working. You keep struggling. You keep giving it your all, giving it your all, giving it your all until you attain or achieve nirvana, whatever that means. I want to ask you a question. Is that biblical? Some of you are afraid to answer. Faith Church is that biblical? You better believe it isn't. Because let me tell you what the message of the Bible is. <laughs> it is not that salvation and perfection is achieved by doing. It's not doing and doing and striving and striving and working and working and working and working harder and doing this and doing that and keep up with this list and keep up with that that list. We have made, we have made spirituality a list. And that's the truth. We've made God's righteousness a list to attain. And I'm going to say this to you. I love you and this may... Fire you up, make you mad as a hornet. But I want to tell you something. We do God an injustice and we blaspheme Him when we try to add one single, one single work to what Jesus has already done on the cross. You know why I'm justified this morning? I'm justified this morning not because I've done anything. I'm not justified this morning because I've kept any list or any code. I'm justified by faith this morning because of what Jesus has already done. I don't have to strive without ceasing. Some of you are like, oh, that sounds ungodly. No, 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 no. It's ungodly to think that you have to strive without ceasing. Our salvation is done. Rest in the finished work of Jesus. That's what salvation is, gang. It's not do this and do this and do that and you got to do this. Well, I know you did that, but, but hey, hey, let's add a little bit more to it. There's nothing to add. In fact, when you try to add to it, you detract from it. Let me tell you what Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about works? Listen to me. Works and good works have zero to do with salvation. You know how I'm saved? By faith in Christ Jesus. I'm resting in Jesus. I'm saved by faith. You know how I'm kept saved? By faith in Jesus. I'm not saved by grace through faith and then kept saved by my good works. I can't send away my salvation. I don't believe that. And your Bible doesn't teach that. What the Bible teaches is that I am kept saved and secure by the very thing that saved me to begin with. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ that has an ongoing result in my life. It's not by a list. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we now as a Christian are are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. In other words, we are God's masterpiece. Created from eternity past To do good works now that we're saved. But I'm not saved by my good works. I'm not kept saved by good works. I work not in order to be saved. I work for Christ and I do through his power and his spirit and his fullness as he works in me and as he helps me and as he overcomes me. His work is in me and through me because I already have been saved. I don't conform to a list. That's legalism. That's quiet in here but I'm preaching the truth of God today. I don't, Live my life according to a list in order to be saved. You're like, Preacher, do you have things? Yes, I have things I live by. I live by the daily, practical, sanctifying principles of the Word of God. And every serious Christian does too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying don't live your life by rules. Here's what I'm saying that if you think your rule-keeping is going to add to your favor with God, my dear brother, you're sadly disappointed. Jesus took care of that on the cross. That's why Paul said in Galatians 5.1, he said you stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and don't you be entangled again in the yoke of bondage what was the yoke of bondage ooh ooh i know what the yoke of bondage was the yoke of bondage was sin brother christian no not in its context the yoke of bondage was legalism and pharisaism study and read it in context that's the bondage Rest in his, can I get an amen right there? Rest in his finished work. It's not about striving. uh, You you just as well hop on a broomstick and try to fly to the moon. as to earn and earn and earn and earn your way to God. Come on, people. Rest in that. See, the reason we work as a Christian is because we are saved, not in order to stay saved or to be saved. Rest in that finished work. And then I say this, and I'm done. You can rejoice in His finished work. I'm looking at some people today, and I love you. But you've lost your song. You've lost your joy. You've lost your shout. You've lost your amen. You've lost your happy heart and your happy spirit. I'm telling you today, you got every reason in the world to rejoice. And walk out of here with victory in your soul. Now, y'all know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you live in sin. Good gracious, you know I ain't saying that. You ain't been listening if you think that's what I'm saying. Some of you living in sin and you are miserable. And can I tell you, good. (laughs) Because God didn't design you to live in sin and to be joyful. Because he knows I have no better joy than when my conscience is clean before him. Some of you need to get your joy back. I'm talking to you. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm nothing. But the Spirit of God is talking to you. you. You know who you are this morning. And the Holy Spirit has already revealed to you what you need. He's already told you what you need. I don't know what it is. For some of you, friend, you need to come to Christ today. For others of you, you need to to get this deep down in your fiber. And if you're a child of God, live like it. But if you're a child of God, rejoice like it. And stop trying to add your good works to the finished work of Jesus Christ. You're accepted in the beloved. If you're a child of God, live like it. Rejoice like it. Sing like it. Serve like it. Love like it. Get your joy back. Get your testimony back. Get your victory back. Because it is Vanished